Hello and welcome to Kinship Connects, a podcast from SDA Kinship, sharing our stories and our journeys. My name is Floyd Pönitz, and today it is my great privilege to speak with Carol Grady. Carol, thank you so much for joining us today. It's nice to be here. Yeah, so we have, our history goes back a, way, a ways. We've known each other for a few years now. I and uh, I've enjoyed working with you. I miss um, some of the conferences and maybe we'll talk about those more in depth in a little bit, but um, just being together with you in, in a booth had, had been exciting for, for me. So, uh, so yeah, so let me, let me back up. Uh, tell me or tell us where you're living now and uh, just a little bit about, you know, your situation now and, and uh, things like that. Okay, we live now and we're retired for quite a few years. <laughs> live in uh, Snohomish, Washington, uh, which is Western Washington, where it's beautiful and green and very wet right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> my, uh, my husband is a pastor or minister and um, we spent 15 years as um, missionaries in Singapore. Mm, and okay. I have three sons um, who are all, actually one of them is a great grandpa already. <laughs> wow, wow, that's great. <laughs> well, that's kind of complicated. Okay. But anyway, that's uh, a little bit about me. We're, we're um, my husband is very busy with uh, his senior organization called SAGE, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm very busy with trying to finish quilts for all my grandchildren. Wow. Wow. Okay. So that's one of your hobbies, I think, right? That's right. Okay. How many quilts have you made in your lifetime? Do you have any idea? I don't. Probably 60, 70, somewhere in there. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's a lot of work. I remember as a little kid, my mom made quilts and she had this big frame set up in the living room and the women would come together and, and do all this hand quilting and stuff. And uh, yeah. I wish I had known your mother. She must, I, I just have a little smaller frame that's uh-huh. just for me. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are good memories for me sitting underneath that frame sometimes and listening to the women talk <laughs> as they were sewing. So, yeah, well, let me let me back up just a couple decades, maybe. And uh, where did you grow up? And, um, you know, were you Adventist growing up? Well, that is a couple decades and more. Um, I grew up in uh, I lived in Evansville, Indiana, till I was six. And then my folks moved to uh, Tacoma Park, Maryland, where my dad was the lab tech at the Washington Sand as we called it back then. Uh-huh. Uh, I went to Sligo Elementary School and Tacoma Academy. And just after I graduated, uh, we moved to California and I went to La Sierra College where I met Bob. And, um, and yes, I've always been an Adventist fourth generation. Fourth, okay, and, great, great. And always been uh, gone to Adventist schools and married a minister. Wow, wow, that's that's like the dream, the Adventist dream, huh? That's right, <laughs> I have all the credentials. <laughs> <laughs> Great, and and uh, yeah, so, so after you got married, uh, I mean, before you got married, you were all over the United States, it sounds like, um, and after you got married, where did that take you? Well, my husband was uh, first called to, to um, Southeastern California Conference, and we were there for about 10 years. And then we, uh, were, we went to Hawaii where he became a departmental director. And we were there for about four and a half years. Then we went to Singapore for 15 years. Then back to the general conference, which was uh, still in Tacoma Park, but while we were there, it moved to Silver Spring. Okay. Maryland. And uh, from there, my husband spent a couple of years at uh, Christian Record, which is the uh, Adventist service for the blind and the deaf. Mm-hmm. And then we came out here to Washington, where we ended up and we've lived here longer than any place either of us have ever lived before. <laughs> wow, wow. 
but you love it out there, right? I do, I do. Yeah, yeah. I like the, well, what used to be the cool summers, they're getting warmer. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you said that Bob is involved with SAGE, is that correct? And That's what does right. that stand for? Well, when he first came out here, they had, um, they get together for a potluck every quarter, I guess, uh, for the seniors in the conference. And he saw a bigger vision, so he um, really extended it to all the seniors in the conference. I think at first it was just senior um, workers, but we extended to the whole conference and they have, uh, well, the last couple of years with COVID have been a little bit sad because we can't do much, but they have, uh, fellowship opportunities to go on different um, entertain, entertaining kind of things. They also go around uh, painting and building on churches and schools here in the conference. And every year they go on a mission trip with Maranatha to someplace wow. in the world. Wow, to build, so, like, to build a, a new church in different yeah. locations. Wow, that sounds fun. Now, is he still pastoring or? Oh, no, he, re he finally retired when he was, let's see, about 90, I guess. In <laughs> he's not, okay. now he's, I mean, uh, 80, he's now 89. <laughs> okay, 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 got it, got but, it. But he's still busy with Sage. Uh-huh, uh-huh, great, great, great. So, Go back, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago, did you ever think that you would be sitting here talking to me about this today? No, it was 31 years ago. You're 31? <laughs> wow, okay, okay. Yes, yes our youngest son was, um, was in college uh, when I finally realized uh, that he was gay. He had um, started at Pacific Union College when we first came home from Singapore. And um, he had, of course, had figured this out when he was in seventh grade and read his Bible textbook mm -hmm. that um, described homosexuality and realized that described him. So, but he never told us, of course. Um, but he did, uh, consult with his Bible teacher and the father of one of his friends. Well, he was determined not to be gay. So he um, met a girl that first summer while he was working at summer camp. Mm -hmm. And uh, they became engaged during that first year. Well, Bob and I were concerned that he would, uh, that, that, that it would be too long because they were gonna wait until she graduated. She was a year ahead of him and then they would get married and that was like three years. And we knew how hard it was just to wait one year to get married. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> so we had talked him into coming back uh, and going to CUC for a year and staying with us while we were at uh, GC. And uh, his girlfriend came back and for Christmas and she came back the next summer and they both worked at the GC. Then they went back to PUC and it was during that year that he called and said that they had postponed the wedding and then later it turned out that they had canceled it. And uh, we were totally shocked, we didn't know, but I suddenly all the little things that I had, that I had wondered about through the years. Mm -hmm. uh, and to add up, and I really didn't know in very much at all about homosexuality, but um, I began to wonder. So right. I, called, I called the pastor at the church because I knew that he and his girlfriend had gone to him for counseling. And um, he told me, I asked him if I should talk to Paul. And he said, yes. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment when I knew for sure that my suspicions were correct. Wow. And it was a big shock to me, really big shock. Uh, my first two questions were, 
will he be lost? And will he get AIDS? Because that was right at the heights of the AIDS sure. crisis. Right, right. So. Um, they always say that mothers know. So in, in the back of your mind, even though homosexuality wasn't even on your radar, you still felt that something was, something was amiss or different? Well, I felt like he was my soulmate, really, because we shared so many of the same interests, uh, writing poems, uh, writing stories. Mm -hmm. uh, he liked crafts. He, he wanted to learn to quilt like I did. Wow. Good. <laughs> he, uh, he was very artistic, and he was a, a very talented musician. Mm -hmm. And so those were all things that we shared. And I was kind of happy to have a son share those things because uh, you'd think more th those would be things more that a daughter might share. Right. But uh, I it still didn't really dawn on me <laughs> until, you know, it was just about that time that homosexuality began to be in the news. Mm -hmm. articles coming out in the magazines and so forth and so that kind of sensitized me to what might what this all might mean and yeah uh, yeah so what what precipitated him to actually tell you I mean did was it, it like boiling under the surface and it just bubbled over or and or did he ever tell you that he never told me I it was when uh, after he told me they were not that their engagement was off, that I began to wonder, and then I called the pastor, mm -hmm. and he he was the one that really let me know. So then I wrote a letter to Paul and uh, told him that we loved him and that we wanted to mm -hmm. talk if he was feel felt like talking to us about it that we would we were looking forward to ways to help him. Of course, at that point. Um, <laughs> we were trying to help him get over it. <laughs> help meant something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I that was when we were at this at the GC. So I went into the family ministries department and I said, "I have a friend whose son just told her he's gay." <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. I'm sure the Lord has forgiven me for that lie. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> And uh, do you have anything I can give her to read? So she gave me all of this uh, material they had on Colin Cook. Oh, okay. So when, when Paul came home for um, spring vacation that year, I was, uh, Bob was gone. He was traveling, but I told him all about this wonderful ministry that could help him change. And then he told me about the, recent discovery that um his ministry was not what it was cooked up to be <laughs> oh so he already knew about that then yes he had already was one step that. ahead of you okay <laughs> wow so i just began trying to learn more about it because like i say i was completely ignorant at that point mm -hmm. i be but that was when articles began to come out in magazines and i read everything i could find looked it up on the internet um, and I tried to educate myself. And, sure. as, and as I learned things, I would share them with Bob and he came along behind me a little bit, but he was accepted that too and became that was the first uh, when he first when I first told him when he came home from his trip, um, he said, oh, I think it's just a phase he's going through. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to send I'm going to tell him that we'll pay for him to go to counseling. And um, so Bob Paul found a, a counselor in PUC, but it turned out this was a understanding counselor who was oh. trying, trying to help him accept himself. And so after a while, he told us, he said, I don't feel right in accepting your money for my counseling. Uh, because it's not doing what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But then, you know, um, Bob began to realize, uh, he, because Paul shared with us his struggles in the past, mm -hmm. and he began to realize that this was um, something that he 
didn't choose and um, and began to learn. I think it was maybe a year or so after we had heard about Paul, found out about Paul, that um, they had the big um, don't don't ask, don't tell thing in the ser armed services. Right. Okay. Uh -huh. And we listen. We listened to on the, on TV to the hearings that they had when they mm -hmm. asked all these people questions. Mm -hmm. That was a very educational thing too. Mm -hmm. But so, it was. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say it was still several years before I could even bring myself to read any of the new theology. I thought, oh, these are just people that are trying to um, condone sin or something. Right, right. Or, or you know, to, to change what the Bible says. Because yeah. I had learned about the clobber text by this time. Mm -hmm. So I, I was afraid, really, to read any of this stuff for fear I'd be influenced by something that wasn't right. Right. But finally, uh, Ben... Kamina talked me into reading some of these things and to me it made so much sense so um, mm -hmm. and you met him through kinship or or how did you know Dr. Ben well um, you know I think it was through Ingrid um, okay A Ingrid Anderson yes. Inga In Anderson Ingrid and Inga Anderson yeah yeah yeah, okay. She, she was a friend of his, and for a while I was working with her. Okay. And got acquainted with him through that. Okay. Before I even knew about kinship. <laughs> got it. Good, good. Okay, okay. Yeah, so did you ever go back to the GC or back to the church saying, hey, I need some more resources? The ones you gave me kind of fell through the cracks and didn't no, work out? By this time, we were out here in Washington when my, by the time I wrote my book and had it published. And um, actually, I should mention that we were, we were spent a year, almost two years in Lincoln, Nebraska, when Bob was uh, vice president at Christian Record. And <clears throat> it was, I forgot what I was going to say about that. <laughs> Anyway, oh, I took a class in creative writing at the university there, just for fun. And uh, one of our assignments was to write a story that changed our lives. Well, that was definitely the before and after <laughs> incident in my life. So I, I wrote that story and everybody said, oh, you've got to write a book. And that was what encouraged me to go ahead and write my book. So, but um, and how was Paul doing during all this time? Was he well? He was. He was. Uh, once we began talking, he was very happy that I was supportive um, for quite a while. He he um, lived with a Catholic guy for nine years after he graduated from college. And um, he became a Catholic. He was going to convert Jeff, but instead Jeff converted him. Right, okay. That happens. <laughs> a lot of um, how it came about was that Jeff invited him to sing in the choir at his Catholic church. And um, they were very accepting. I know that Catholics in general are not so accepting, but that particular church was so that was what he knew that Adventism was not accepting because he had been very much harassed when he finally came out at PUC. Oh, he came out while he was there. Yeah, after he broke his engagement. Okay. So okay. during his last year there, he was came out and um, had some really terrifying experiences with some of the guys there so he ended up moving out of the dorm and staying with a couple of lesbian friends <laughs> okay <laughs> but it was uh, he wanted to be he was an English major and he wanted to teach he wanted to go back to Far Eastern Academy and be an English teacher that was his dream mm. 
well, he began to realize that that probably would never happen once he admitted that he was gay. Um, but he, that was what he graduated with, but he never did get his uh, teaching credentials because it was during that time his life was in such upheaval that he never really finished that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where are we going from here? Let's see. <laughs> well, you were, you were taking a class and you were uh, going to write a book. And uh, I, I don't know if I can, I don't <laughs> think this will really focus very well on the book. Uh, but, um, sorry, I have the blur on my screen. So you wrote a book <laughs> called My Son, Beloved Stranger, Can Kate Accept Her Gay Son, Can Her Church? So who was Kate McLaughlin? Well, <laughs> my husband's brother was not at all happy about the Grady name being dragged through the mud. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I think I came, I was... Right after it was published, I was invited to speak at a church in the conference where he was a pastor. And so, um, although actually it was before that, I decided to use a pseudonym. So McLaughlin was my mother's name. Okay. So <laughs> that was where that came from. Okay. But anyway, I had to use that pseudonym to keep him happy. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> But when I did a, a second printing of my book I use my real name <laughs> right 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 yes yes okay well what, did you have any challenges with the first book or did the church just jump on that because you were like a pioneer mother writing about a topic that hadn't really been written about like this before uh did they just knock your door down trying to get your story <laughs> Well, no. At first, I had quite a bit of support back at the GC uh, because I knew so many people there. And um, let's see, I think it was the Women's Ministries Department promoted my, well, let's see, let's go back to the first kinship camp meeting that I went to just after my book was published. Mm -hmm. Um, And they asked me to do something for parents. I think that was Dave that asked me that. And so I started a newsletter called Someone to Talk to. Mm-hmm. And um, then I sent it to different people at the GC. And uh, the Women's Ministries Department promoted it. The Family Ministries Department promoted it. Seems like there was another group. Anyway, um, I was, uh, I, I went back to, the Toronto GC. When was that? 2000? I believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that would be about five years after my book was published. Um, shall we go into that? Well, <laughs> yeah, but let, let's, let me just touch real quick on the book. You got it published by, was that Pacific Press that published it? Yes. Okay. And, and they were, Marvin Moore was my book editor, and he, um, would not let me put in that Paul became a Catholic. I had to. Um, was that worse than being a homosexual? I think so. <laughs> or at least it was bad. <laughs> so um, I sort of just described it as could have been Episcopalian or Methodist or Lutherans. Mm-hmm. I didn't really specify what the, the uh, church was that he went to. Right, right. Okay, so that was a stipulation of getting it published then. Right. Okay. And uh, of course, I at that point, I was hadn't really accepted the theology changes. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was still kosher as far as the GC was concerned. <laughs> okay, you were still hoping that, that Paul could change, right? Yes, at, at that point I was. With enough prayer? fasting or whatever um, or I don't know I did by the time my book was published I probably didn't think that but I didn't put that in the book right right because I I was still feeling my way a little bit sure it's a journey life is a journey we're all still on it thank goodness (laughs) so yeah so okay let's jump to general conference then because that was a pretty exciting time for me I know 
Yes. Uh, yeah. We, how did you get invited or how did you, uh, the one in Toronto? I, I applied for a booth and- um, Under the name of someone to talk to? Yes, that was okay, the, cool. uh, the organization that I was representing, which was my ministry for parents. Right. And at that point, uh, you know, it was something that the church did not address. And so, and they didn't think I was going too far in the wrong direction. So they allowed me to have it. Okay. And that same year, I had a booth at, um, what's the self-supporting group? Um, ASI? That Maranatha is part of. Um, they have a convention every year. I can't the, think of the ASI group. ASI, that was okay. it. Uh huh. I, I yeah. had a, a booth at their meeting that same summer, mm -hmm. and uh, unfortunately, they're they're much more conservative uh, group, and so I would. There were some people that complained about even having anything to do with homosexuality there. Okay. So I did. I was told that I couldn't have a booth there anymore. But the, as far as the GC was concerned, I um, had one in Toronto, then Atlanta. I think that was the one you went with me mm -hmm. too, and St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that was all because I think the next one was where. Oh no. Well, I'm getting old, you know, 85. I can't. <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing great. Yeah, there was a teacher's conference in Nashville that you were uninvited to at the last moment because everyone yes, was afraid yes. of Carol Grady, <laughs> of you what better. you might share and tell people, huh? <laughs> yes, uh, that was after the GC had told me I couldn't come. I Was it the Atlanta GC where... That's that's where we were with the spectrum booth and uh, and did the questionnaire and uh, and yeah that talked one, to people right right that when they uh, told me I couldn't come at the very last minute and so you and Dave and was it Carol Toy um, I think right right I had already bought tickets and had a place to stay and all so we decided. And Owen oh, Spectrum had invited us to be at their booth because they were having the theme of the big tent Adventism mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. summer. But when at the very last minute, when the GC found out that they were going to let me be part of it, let us be part of it, uh, they said, no, if you do that, we can't have a booth. So we decided to go back and do a um, hot potatoes questionnaire. Right. right, right there in the um, exhibit hall, and just question people as they came by. And we were standing near the spectrum booth, but not right. connected <laughs> with them. Um, so we asked questions on evolution, on um, uh, homosexuality, on um, what were some of the other things? Do you remember? Uh, just well, just women's ordination, bearing arms. Um, yes, women's ordination was another one. Yeah, and, yeah. And we were so. I think we got over a thousand people all together, and uh, we were interested that Africa, which at that time was most of the people there were opposed or apparently opposed to women's ordination, but the women that came through said it's not us we were <laughs> so, uh, and I think that's come out quite a bit more since then right and then after that we I um asked for a booth at teachers convention and they also let us know at the very last minute so we went that that I couldn't come so we went back there and sort of had our materials in our arms and just interviewed people as they walked by Mm -hmm. And um, and um, Stephen um, and Deneen were there with the film. Yeah, they were there with the film, and so Stephen had some T-shirts made up that had my picture and said, "Beware, Carol." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, yes, I still have mine hanging in my closet. The <laughs> memento, yes. <laughs> yeah, so things really changed in those first years then, I mean, since Toronto, because I was there with you with Toronto, and uh, yes. so, yeah, Kathy was there, Ella Hammonds was there, Dave. and uh, yeah, and, you know, people were shocked to hear that someone was wanting to talk about homosexuals and that there really were Adventist homosexuals, even though I was standing right there by you. Uh, I was kind of straddling the fence there in uh, my presentation of because uh, I didn't want to be too offensive. I think we were almost across the aisle from Doug Batchelor's uh, booth. And I and think also Andrews was across from us too. And that was, um, oh, not, uh, not Ron, not, but his brother. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't be mentioning names. <laughs> but anyway, he was very uh, opposed to that. He was right. from the, I guess it was the publishing uh, entity at Andrews. Right, right. So, so what, he, what, what do you think actually switched the light switch at that point or changed minds because people didn't continue to be, or the church leadership didn't seem to continue in their progressive ideas or even willing to listen? They were yeah. like, pushing us away more and more. What, what do you think caused that or happened? Well, I know that um, Bill Johnson, when he was editor of the Review, he was quite supportive and he published some articles. And then he told me that he had gotten phone calls, irate phone calls in the middle of the night, just mm -hmm. raking him over the coals for publishing such things. And Bill Knott was one of the associate editors then, and he want, didn't want to keep publishing. So he told me that he didn't feel that he could continue to publish any more articles. So that was the beginning of the lockout. But I still wrote letter to, letters and sent articles to, uh, to a number of people there at the GC that I knew. And when Jan Paulson was president, he was supportive. Mm -hmm. But of course, um, and, and when the uh, Dan Jackson, when he came, came into the North American division, he was uh, more supportive. And then it was like, I had no, I was persona non grata at GC after that. Uh -huh. uh, so I sort of joined the uh, the work with working from within the church to change it but um the underground movement <laughs> i remember you for a different cause standing up on the balcony somewhere at gc <laughs> unfurling a banner which which gc was that was that uh that was the same one where we were with we were invited to be with spectrum and that was uh donna Oh dear, my <laughs> can't remember names, but Donna Herrick uh, had this great big banner made that said, "The greatest want of the world is the want of men who will stand for the right, though they, who will stand for women's ordination." Uh, so, I can't remember all of it. <laughs> right, right. Um, so we stood up in the balcony during a general session. She and, and another woman and I and held it up. And uh, after a while, one of the GC vice presidents came up and asked us to remove the banner and come out in the hall and talk to him. So we, we did. And um, Donna, in particular, she took over the conversation immediately. And she said, uh, you know, how he, uh, he was, it was one of the black vice presidents. She said, you know how um, your people have been abused and brought it right around to, to gays being abused or almost right. the, the group, the alphabet group. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, then she launched, oh, and then the other girl said that she had taken theology in college and was so devastated when she couldn't use 
her um, knowledge. And then Donna, before he could say anything, launched right into a prayer for him and for us. And wow. So wow. Uh, I don't know if, if what kind of an influence that had on him, but uh, I think it maybe sympathized, made him sympathize with us a little. Sure, sure. Yeah. So you you kind of you had two um, missions or challenges there that that caused kind of a black strike against you or something, uh, or a black mark against uh, uh, both the women's the women's <laughs> movement as well as LGBTQ. Oh yes, that was when that was the year that Ted Wilson was elected president. So I was not at all in his favor, but you know. It's amazing because I was very much an introvert as I grew up. Mm -hmm. And even after I married Bob, I could play the piano with my back to the audience, but I didn't like to get up in front and do anything. And now I've become quite an activist. <laughs> center stage now. Yes, yes, yes. And I think that's wonderful. I, I, like I say, I can remember many conferences with you and you would stand out in front of the table or, or behind the table with the books and, and talk to people going by and, and uh, not afraid of, of sharing, sharing your feelings. So uh, yes. quite brave. Yes, there were a number of other places where we had uh, conferences, youth conferences. We went to several of those before they got our number. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I think there was a youth con conference in Houston or, or, or Dallas, was it, the, that we had? Yeah, I can't remember which city, but uh, we, we had, we've had several youth conferences that we were at. And um, there were some of uh, coming out ministries, which was not in existence at that time yet. They were the individual uh, people were at those uh, so what, what are your feelings now after all these years about change ministry or conversion therapy? Yes, um, I, I really studied into that a lot and, and, um, and read a lot of books about it. And um, I really feel that they damage people because a lot of leaders of those ministries later on said it was... It was something they were aspiring to, but it really hadn't happened to them. They did not change. They, uh, so, uh, and then when, when our coming out ministry started, or even before that, mm -hmm. when we just had one, um, I really felt that these were older men who had um, lived lives of promiscuity or even prostitution. Mm -hmm. And um, and in their older age, when probably their libido was a little lower, um, th then they were they wanted to come back to God. And when they left, when they left their former lifestyle, that included homosexuality. So um, I can understand why they feel like they have to leave it behind perhaps, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. although I don't really believe that they have changed. I think they are still part of that, but they don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. And so um, it, I'm happy for them if they can leave that uh, very unwholesome lifestyle, but I don't think that they should try to tell all the people that, uh, that are part of the LGBTQ community that they should live that way right 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 so. yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah so have you been um accused of drinking the lgbtq uh q kool-aid and uh and uh being influenced by kinship um in your uh, thinking have people I, told you that in a way uh when we had that big conference just before our book was uh, published with, with um, Spectrum. Mm -hmm. the, um, right. And um, the current uh, home and family or family ministries director was there. 
and was quite skeptical. And I think at that point, he wrote me off. (laughs) And so I, I suppose he thought I was influenced, but I think anyone, I would, oh, I would like to say one thing before we quit. Um, as I look back now on my, on my life since I found out about Paul, um, at, at the time, I thought it was the worst thing that could happen to me. And I spent many nights crying all night. My Bible that I had then was crinkly pages from all the tears that fell on sure. it. And um, now I look back after all the education and all the wonderful gay people that I've known as one of the best things that ever happened to me because it opened up my mind. You know, I grew up in, in an Adventist home, went to Adventist schools, married an Adventist minister, and I never had thought out of, out of sight of that box. And it's just like a whole new world that is out there that I can um, understand from from a broader standpoint than what I grew up with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm I'm really thankful for that. Good, good. Well, let me ask you a difficult question. (laughs) And um, because a lot of people after reading your second book that came out under your name, and that, that book is available on the Kinship website, if anybody. Uh, I encourage everyone to read it. It's, it's a good uh, typical story of an Adventist mom, Adventist family finding out about their son and uh, the journey that it goes through. But a lot of people then asked me, well, what happened to Paul after, after the last chapter? And uh, I don't know if you want to tell a little bit. And then I have a follow-up question about about that if you want to just share a little bit and I, I don't want to do anything personal give away any anything that's uncomfortable but uh well um after he came out at PUC uh he went down after he graduated he went down to live with his brother in Santa Rosa and uh met a Catholic guy that he lived with for nine years and uh he became a Catholic and they finally decided that that they weren't comfortable being sexually active as Catholics. Mm-hmm. So he went back to, uh, after nine years, he decided to go to a, Adventist, a, a Catholic uh, ministry back in on the East Coast. And oh, because they were looking for someone with computer skills. And he was there for about a year. And while he was there, he met a Catholic priest who had, was just building a monastery with the help of two um, novices that were helping him. And Paul was had a very romantic view of Catholicism and decided he would like to join their, their monastery. Mm-hmm. And the Catholic priest said, I can help you overcome your homosexuality. Well, it turned out that his way of overcoming it was to force Paul to submit his will and everything to the priest. And that became a very intolerable situation. So about eight months later, Paul wrote and said, can I come home? (laughs) And being being as that was a Carmelite monastery, which is a... a, um, Well, I can't think of the right word, but they they don't, they're, oh dear. Well, anyway, they don't have anything to do with the outside world. And, and we would never see him again once he took his final orders, wow. which was a terrible thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. We were thrilled when he decided to come home and um, he's, uh, lived here in this in Washington area ever since, but he um, went to a, a, a reparative therapist and um, for about a year, who convinced him that 
it was our fault that he was gay. So we had a, about a year there where we didn't have much communication. And then, then things warmed up again and we're very close now. But uh, during this time, he decided that, well, after working with the therapist, he came home and joined a Catholic group that supported celibacy. And he finally decided that he had learned to sub sublimate those feelings and was going to get married to a woman. Well, he joined a Catholic dating site and went on several different dates. And he'd tell us after the date was over, well, there just wasn't any spark there. Hmm. <laughs> Which I could have told him, but uh, he did uh, finally meet a, a girl that was a very uh, much a soulmate of his who shared all, a lot of his interests and he told her that he was gay but that he would put that behind him and so they got married and they have three adorable little boys oh beautiful beautiful <laughs> they're growing up the oldest one is 12 now but they're sweet and I love them dearly because they're the only ones of our grandchildren that live close enough when they were younger Ah, uh -huh. for us to be with all the time. Now they live in Idaho. Okay. But, um, we, <clears throat> before they got married, we told them, we're there for you, whatever happens. Mm -hmm. We love you. And, you know, I don't feel like you have to be an Adventist to be saved anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You've journeyed on the, come along on that journey, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I know he's a very devout Catholic now, and okay. I... I support him um, in whatever is wherever his life leads him. Good, and he's happy. He's happy now. He's happy. Yeah, yeah. So have, uh, uh -huh. Let me just. They have one dog, three cats, two rats, a hamster. Um, <laughs> I I don't know how many rabbits because recently one had thirteen babies and wow. twenty some chickens. So wow. Wow. He doesn't have time to not be happy. <laughs> no, and those lucky kids, they get to play oh, with all it. those. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> so my, my difficult question then is, the church would look at Paul's story and say, well, see there, that's exactly what we're wanting, except for the Catholic part. Uh, that's exactly what we want all LGBT people to, to do. What do you say to that? Is is Paul really a success story, or is he just happy being himself? And this is where his journey has led him. Well, what I think I would say is that I probably know, I would guess a thousand or more gay and lesbian people now, mm -hmm. and I'm in the whole alphabet, and um, I, I've known of lots of them who have married uh, the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. And I only know of one couple that has stayed together to their old age. And most of them have, um, that marriage hasn't lasted beyond their children being teens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why I say we're there for Paul, whatever happens. I. I really, I hope for his sake and the boy's sake and everybody's sake that he can stay, stay with it. I know he's very strong willed and mm -hmm. wants, wants his marriage to succeed, but I don't think that means he's not still gay. Right. That's not something that you guys talk about or even no. mention much anymore. So, so we yeah, used, so. Used to be able to talk about everything, but now we don't talk about that or that religion <laughs> right right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah or, controversy. or covid <laughs> okay that's that's also a, a point of contention i'm sure i'm sure well good good um i appreciate you sharing today with me uh i know our listeners have enjoyed it and uh do you do you have any final thoughts for parents because i mean you kind of started the the parents ministry for for kinship or within kinship. And so, you know, if there's a mom or a dad who's struggling to learn to accept 
but the Bible says kind of mentality. What do you, what do you want to tell them? Well, I want to tell them that God loves their children more than they do, more than the parent, the parent, any parents can love their children. And that the best thing they can do is just to love them and accept them as they are, whether they understand it or not. And if they really try, they can become educated about the, not only the science, but also about the theology. But if, if they don't want to go into it that deeply, just love them. I think it was Virginia. Um, Kaysen? Yes, the daughter of HMS Richards, who has two gay children. Well, she's gone now, but um, she had two gay children. And she said to another mother, just love them and keep them. That's all you can do. Wow, that's that's powerful, very powerful. Yeah, if we could just keep sharing that message. And um, again, thank you, Carol. You've been such an inspiration to so many people. You're a, a treasure in kinship. We love you. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that you're still active with us. Um, and yeah. I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. So. Uh, so I want to thank everyone for sharing with us today. We hope that today's podcast was interesting and has given our listeners some things to think about. Seventh-day Adventist Kinship is the only LGBTQIA plus affirming community for current and former Adventists. We welcome not only the Rainbow Alphabet members, but also parents, family members who want to learn more about how to support their loved ones and supportive allies who stand with us to make a difference in our church and our world. And together we can make a difference. You can check us out at the web at sdakinship.org or follow us on social media at sdakinship. If you have any questions or comments, you can email me info at sdakinship.org. If you have a comment for Carol, I'll be happy to pass that on and forward it to her. And we look forward to having you join us uh, on future podcast releases. So thank you, everyone, and have a great day. Thank you.